I'm John Braddock, your host of Estate Planning Nightmares and How to Avoid Them. Today, I want to talk about death. Why? <laughs> well, because no one else wants to. Specifically, why, if we don't talk about it and plan for it, we're creating a nightmare for our loved ones. Every day in the United States, about 8,000 people wake up in the morning and they expect that they'll do the same thing tomorrow, but they won't. And here's a stunning fact. You are going to die. Okay, now that I've got your attention, let's face the reality. You're still going to die. Hey, so am I. We all will. In fact, as near as I can figure, for the past 300,000 years since mankind is actually beyond this earth, statistically, one out of one of us has died. Pretty good odds. But no one ever wants to talk about it, much less plan for it. Oh, yeah. And let me point this out at the beginning. Talking about it isn't going to make it happen faster. But ultimately, it is going to happen. There's just no getting around it. But let's just all hope it's not for a very long time from now. You know, they say life is messy. But guess what? Death is even messier. And not, not for the one that died, of course, but for everyone else. Today's discussion isn't really designed for the survivors. It's about the one who is no longer here and what they did, or rather didn't do, to make things easier for their families, the survivors. What secrets they took to the grave and the secrets they should not have taken to the grave. Dying today is a lot harder than it was 20 years ago or so. Well. The dying part is still pretty, pretty easy to accomplish, but the cleaning up of the affairs of the departed, well, that's not. Let me just give this a little context. Going back in time a bit, I grew up in the 1960s and 70s. It was a relatively simple time. I lived in a town called Medford, New Jersey, and I lived on Main Street. The one bank in town was also on Main Street, as was the post office, the attorney, the insurance agent, the grocery store, and even the police station. <laughs> Not that I'm willing to admit I spent much time there. When I needed clothes, mom took me shopping at Sears or Montgomery Wards. Why? Well, because there was no online shopping then. And she either paid with cash or a check. But that was then. Today, interestingly enough, those are two forms of payment I rarely use. Many of us use a debit card or even our smartphone or our smartwatch to pay for things. Oh, yeah, another way mom might have paid was with the one credit card that my parents had. I believe it was called Bank AmeriCard, which ultimately became Visa, I think. But let me ask this. Does anyone have just one credit card anymore? You know, back then, everyone knew the banker the attorney, the accountant, the funeral director, and where the cemetery was located. And back then, most people were buried because cremation didn't really gain in popularity until the 1980s. And it wasn't until 2015 that it actually became a more popular choice than a traditional burial. A good friend of mine said to me recently, he said, you know, I wish I had known mom wanted to be cremated before I buried her. True story. 
He didn't find this out until sometime later when he was sorting through all of his mother's stuff. That could have been avoided with a simple conversation. When I was growing up, the stuff was easy to locate. All the important information my parents had was in the desk drawer or file cabinet. The will, life insurance policies, tax returns, proof of ownership documentation. And that list goes on and on. And pretty much everything else that a family needed to know would show up in the next 30 days or so. Where? In the mailbox. You know, that thing that's out front of the house that used to be silver, but now is a lovely brown rust color. Any bills, canceled checks, and any other obligations that a person had would show up in the mailbox. Yep, death was pretty easy back then. But I don't know about you, but my bills don't show up in that kind of a mailbox. They show up in my inbox. Basically, the only thing that shows up in the mailbox out front of my house are coupons, solicitations for new windows, and oh, once a year, a birthday card from my mother. So let me ask you this question. Imagine if something were to happen to you today and you didn't make it home tonight. Would your spouse or loved ones know what you want and where all your stuff is? Would they know how to access it and what you want done with it? How about your children? If something were to happen to both you and your spouse, would they even know what to do? Because I can tell you this, without proper planning, my children would have no clue whether I had a will or where it was located, if I had life insurance and how to find it. They wouldn't know who my attorney is or who my accountant is, much less would they understand or know where any of my assets are located, such as all my banking relationships and types of accounts there, my IRA my 401k, or any other investments. And that's just the short list. But how about your own parents or parents-in-law? Do you know what their wishes are and where all their stuff is? Because you know what, folks? If we don't find this out, there is a massive scavenger hunt in our future. One which is time-consuming, it's expensive, and let me tell you from personal experience, extremely frustrating. But, you know, I understand, you know, for many of us, this is just something mom and dad didn't want to talk about it. They had the attitude, eh, someone will figure it out. But again, that was 30 years ago, and it was pretty easy then, but not today. That's why we must talk about these things, uncomfortable or not. Because if we don't, our loved ones will be forced into a scavenger hunt like no other. Early, I referred to this as the massive scavenger hunt. But I think a better term for this is a morbid scavenger hunt. You know, that's where my family has to dig through all dead dad stuff and try and make heads or tails out of everything. Locating and accessing all the needed information is extremely difficult without direction. And since the deceased took that knowledge with them, it creates some real challenges for those who are left behind to figure it out. And then think about all the things we do online today, our digital lives. You know, a recent study indicated that there's an average of 130 digital identities associated 
with a single email address. If you don't believe me, write them down. List them out, A to Z, Amazon to Zoom. You got your Amazon, your Amazon Prime, Hulu, Netflix, Sirius XM Radio, Pandora, YouTube TV, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Google, Google Drive, Gmail, Dropbox, blah, 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 blah. And that's only to the Ds. And the list just goes on and on. And I was a little skeptical myself. So I use a 1Password password manager, uh, LastPass, as a matter of fact. No plug to LastPass. There's a lot of great password managers out there. But I wanted to see how many I have because I'm an old guy. I have 457 digital identities. And I don't know about you, but I've grown tired of receiving messages to wish so-and-so a happy birthday on Facebook and LinkedIn. And knowing that that person is no longer responding, hey, thanks, John, for the birthday wishes. If only their family had the knowledge to be able to access and delete those accounts. Look, when someone dies, there are emotions that are triggered and families have to deal with those emotions. But there's two types of emotions. There are normal emotions and then there are avoidable emotions. The normal emotions and frankly expected emotions are sadness, grief, and heartache. There really isn't too much we can do about these, nor do we want to change those because they are part of the healing process. But then there are the avoidable emotions or not normal emotions, anger, confusion, added stress, and sheer frustration. The anger, confusion, added stress, and sheer frustration all can be avoided if we simply plan and talk. But if we don't, this is what's on the horizon for our families. The anger, confusion, added stress, and frustration. Not exactly what most people want to leave to their loved ones as a final farewell. And there are some real costs that are associated with dealing with a deceased person's affairs. Costs of attorneys. The cost of your time. Lost time from work. It all adds up. When my father-in-law died, it took us over 10 months to sort everything out most of which had to occur during normal business hours. And he lived right up the street. I can't even imagine if he lived in another state. So you know what? Some secrets just should not be taken to the grave. So a question for you. What do you know that no one else knows that someday they will need to know? In closing out today's segment, I want to share this with you. Following our own personal experience with death of a loved one, I developed the term death etiquette. So I want to share what death etiquette is with you today. But first, I want to start with what death etiquette is not. It is not about sending the right kind of flowers or what type of sympathy card. It's not about the appropriate tire to wear, attire to wear to a funeral. And it's certainly not about, do we bring lasagna or a casserole to the surviving family? I mean, seriously, folks, people who are grieving are never going to remember what you wore or what food you dropped by their house. It's simply the thought. So here's what death etiquette is. 
being thoughtfully prepared for one's own passing. Accordingly, making things easier for family and loved ones by leaving clear and concise instructions in regard to your final wishes for funeral desires, as well as location and access to important documents and accounts, as well as your digital life. Further, identifying who should be responsible for carrying out the final wishes and ultimately settling all your final affairs. It's a simple act of love, which saves families stress, time, and money. Those are the things that divide families. So save your family from the massive scavenger hunt for needed information, which frankly plagues far too many families because it's unnecessary and it's totally avoidable. It's important to work with an estate planning attorney. They will prepare all the needed legal documents that you should have. The wills, trusts, advanced directive, POAs, and so much more. And be sure to take the time to document everything. Be prepared is possibly the greatest gift we can leave to our families. So again, this doesn't have to be such a taboo topic because you know what? It's okay to talk about that. In fact, it's healthy and necessary. And sometimes it can even be a little humorous. So lighten up. It's only death. Plan ahead and make it a great day.